Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Chadwick's dramatic reading of R.A. Salvatore's The Legend of Drizzt series. I am Chadwick, and I am reading The Legend of Drizzt, book two, Exile, by R.A. Salvatore. And we will be getting started here really quick. I just want to say, if you enjoy this podcast, if you enjoy this reading, please let me know what you think. You can reach me on Twitter. Twitter. <laughs> Twitter. Name me at Twitter. I can speak. At uh, crow underscore HVVH or Instagram at Chadwick1224 or Facebook Chadwick Daigle with an apostrophe after the D. Let me know how you think everything is. Share it with your friends, your neighbors, anyone that you think would love to hear this. I try to be as creative as possible. Get out my um, acting juices. Get them flowing and moving as I read this to you. Now, here we are starting on chapter eight if you've not read before or listened in before um we do approximately one to two chapters a week when i get a chance to and i apologize it's been so long for the last couple weeks that i haven't put up a new one yet but i am continuing now and here we go chapter eight of the legend of drizzt book two exile by r.a salvatore strangers Drizzt looked out at Belwer's open door at the daily routines of Swerthneblin City, as he had every day for the last few ten days. Drizzt felt as though his life was in a state of limbo, as though everything had been put into stasis. He had not seen or heard of Guinevere since he had come to Belwer's house, nor had he any expectations of getting his piwafwi or his weapons and armor back any time soon. Drizzt accepted it all stoically figuring that he and Guinevere were better off now than they had been in many years, and confident that the swift Nebli would not harm the statuette or any of his other possessions. The drow sat and watched, letting events take their due course. Belwer had gone out this day, one of the rare occasions that the reclusive borough warden left his house. Despite the fact that the deep gnome and Drizzt rarely conversed, Belwer was not the type who spoke simply for the sake of hearing his own voice. Drizzt found that he missed the Burl Warden. Their friendship had grown, even if the substance of the conversation had not. A group of young Swerfnevli walked past and shouted a few quick words at the drow within. This had happened many times before, particularly in the first days after Drizzt had entered the city. On those previous occasions, Drizzt had been left wondering if he had been greeted or insulted. This time, though, Drizzt understood the basic friendly meaning of the words, for Belwer had taken the time to instruct him in the basics of the Swerfnevelin tongue. The borough warden returned hours later to find Drizzt sitting on the same stool, watching the world slip past. Tell me, Dark Elf, the deep gnome asked in his hearty, melodic voice, what do you see when you look upon us? Are we so foreign to your ways? I see hope, Drizzt replied, and I see despair. Belwer understood. He knew that the Swerfnevlin society was better suited to the drow's principles, but watching the bustle of 
Blindenstone from afar could only evoke painful memories in his new friend. King Schnicktick and I met this day, the borough warden said. I'll tell you in truth that he is very interested in you. Curious would seem a better word, Trist replied, but he smiled as he did so, and Belwer wondered how much pain was hidden behind that grin. The borough warden dipped into a short, apologetic bow, surrendering to Drizzt's blunt honesty. Curious, then, as you wish. You must know that you are not as we have come to regard drow elves. I beg that you take no offense. None, Drizzt answered heartily. You and your people have given me more than I dared hope. If I had been killed that first day in the city, I would have accepted the fate without placing blame on the swift nebly. Belwer followed Driz's gaze out across the cavern to the group of gathered youngsters. You should go among them, Belwer offered. Driz looked at him, surprised. And all the time he had spent in Belwer's house, the Swift Neblin had never suggested such a thing. Driz had assumed that he was to remain the Burrow Warden's guest, and that Belwer had been made personally responsible for curtailing his movements. Belwer nodded toward the door, silently reiterating his suggestion. Driz looked out again. Across the cavern, the group of young Swift Nebli, a dozen or so, had begun a contest of heaving rather large stones at an effigy of a basilisk, a life-sized likeness built of stones and old suits of armor. Swift Nebli were highly skilled in the magical crafts of illusion, and one such illusionist had placed minor enchantments upon the likeness to smooth out the rough spots and make the effigy appear even more lifelike. Dark Elf, you must... Go out sometime, Belwer reasoned. How long will you find my home's blank walls fulfilling? They suit you, Driz retorted a bit more sharply than he intended. Belwer nodded and slowly turned about to survey the room. So they do, he said quietly, and Driz could clearly see his great pain. When Belwer turned back to the drow, his round-featured face held an unmistakably resigned expression. Maga Kamara, Dark Elf. Let that be your lesson. Why? Drizzt asked him. Why does Bella Dissingle, the most honored Burr Warden, Belwer flinched again at the title, remain within the shadows of his own door? Belwer's jaw firmed up and his dark eyes narrowed. Go out, he said in a resonating growl. Young you are, Dark Elf, and all the world is before you. Old I am. My day is long past. Not so old. Driz started to argue, determined this time to press the Burr Warden into revealing what it was that troubled him so. But, well, Belwar simply turned and walked into his cave room, pulling closed behind him the blanket he had strung up as a door. Driz shook his head and banged his fist into the, his palm in frustration. Belwar had done so much for him, first by saving him from the Swift Nebling King's judgment, then by befriending him over the last few ten days, and teaching him the swift Neblin tongue and the deep gnome's ways. Driz had been unable to return the favor, though he clearly saw that Belwer carried some great burden. Driz wanted to rush through the blanket now, go to the Burr Warden, and make him speak his gloomy thoughts. Driz would not yet be so bold with his new friend, however. He would find the key to the Burr Warden's pain in time, he vowed, but right now he had his own dilemma to overcome. Belwer had given him permission to go out into Blindingstone. Driz looked back to the group across the cavern. Three of them stood perfectly still before the effigy, 
as if turned to stone. Curious, Driz moved to the doorway, and then, before he realized what he was doing, he was outside and approaching the deep, the young deep gnomes. The game ended as the drow neared, the Swift Nebley being more interested in meeting the dark elf they had rumored about for so many ten days. They rushed over to Drizzt and surrounded him, whispering curiously. Drizzt felt his muscles tense involuntarily as the Swift Nebley moved all about him. The primal instincts of the hunter sensed a vulnerability that could not be tolerated. Drizzt fought hard to sublim sublimate his alter ego, silently but firmly reminding himself that the Swift Nebley were not his enemies. "'Greetings, trow friend of Belward Disengulp,' one of the youngsters offered. "'I am Seldig, fledgling and pledgling, and, and to be an expedition miner in the, but three years hence.' It took Driz a long moment to sort out the deep gnome's rapid speech patterns. He did understand the significance of Seldig's future occupation, though, for Belwar had told him that expedition miners, those for Nebley who went out into the Underdark in search of precious minerals and gems, were among the highest-ranking deep gnomes in all the city. Greetings, Seldig, Driz answered at length. I am Driz Doon. Not really knowing what he should do next, Driz crossed his arms over his chest. To the Dark Elves, this was a gesture of peace, though Drizzt was not certain if the motion was universally accepted throughout the Underdark. The Swerf Neblin looked around at each other, returned the gesture, then smiled in unison at the sound of Drizzt's relieved sigh. "'You have been in the Underdark, it is said,' Seldig went on, motioning for Drizzt to follow him back to the area of the game. "'For many years,' Drizzt replied, falling into step beside the young Swiftneblin. The hunting ego within the drow grew ill at ease at the following deep gnome's proximity, but Drizzt was in full control of his reflexive paranoia. When the group reached the fabricated basilisk's side, Seldig sat on the stone and bid Drizzt to give them a tale or two of his adventures. Drizzt hesitated, doubting that his command of the Swiftneblin tongue would be sufficient for such a task, but Seldig and the others pressed him. At length, Drizzt nodded and stood. He spent a moment in thought, trying to remember some tale that might interest the youngsters. His gaze unconsciously roamed the cavern, searching for some clue. It fell upon and locked upon the illusion-heightened basilisk effigy. Basilisk, Drizzt explained. I know, Drizzt. Drizzt replied, I have met such a creature. He turned casually back to the group and was startled by its appearance. Seldig and every one of his companions had rocked forward, their mouths hanging open in a mixture of expressed intrigue, terror, and delight. Dark Elf, you've seen a basilisk? One of them asked incredulously. A real living basilisk? Driss smiled as he came to decipher their amazement. The Swift Neblin, like the Dark Elves, sheltered the younger members of the community, though these dope... Uh, these deep gnomes were probably as old as Drizzt. They had rarely, if ever, been out of Blingdenstone. By their age, drow elves would have spent years patrolling the corridors beyond Mens of Baranzum. Drizzt's recognition of the basilisk would not have been so unbelievable to the deep gnomes then, though the formidable monsters were rare even in the underdog. You said the basilisks were not real, one of those from Nevlin shouted to another, and he pushed him hard on the shoulder. Never I did, the other protested, returning the shove. 
My uncle saw one once, offered another. Scrapings the stone was all your uncle saw, Seldig laughed. They were the tracks of a basilisk by his own proclamation. Driz's smile widened. Basilisks were magical creatures, more common on other planes of existence. While drow, particularly the high priestesses, often opened gates to other planes, such monsters obviously were beyond the norm of Svethneblin life. Few were the deep gnomes who had ever looked upon a basilisk. Driz chuckled aloud. Fewer still, no doubt, were the deep gnomes who ever returned to tell they had seen one. If your uncle followed the trail and found the monster, Seldig continued, he would sit on this day as a pile of stone in a passageway. I say to you now that rocks do not tell such tales. The berated deep gnome looked around for some rebuttal. Driz Dorn has seen one, he protested, but he is not so much a pile of stone. All eyes turned back to Driz. Have you really seen one, Dark Elf? Seldig asked. Answer only in truth, I beg. One, Driz replied. And you escaped from it before it could return the gaze? Seldig asked, a question he and the others Nebly considered rhetorical. Escaped? Driz echoed the normish word, unsure of its meaning. Escape? Uh, run away, Seldig explained. He looked to one of the others Nebly, who promptly feigned a look of sheer horror, then stumbled and frantically and scrambled frantically a few steps away. The other deep gnomes applauded the performance, and Driz joined in their laughter. You ran from the basilisk before it could return your gaze, Seldig reasoned. Driz shrugged, a bit embarrassed, and Seldig guessed that he was withholding something. You did run away. I could not escape, Driz explained. The basilisk had invaded my home, and had killed many of my rove. Holmes... He paused, searching for the correct Svartnevelin word. Sanctuaries, he explained at length, are not commonplace in the wilds of the Underdark. Once found and secured, they must be defended at all costs. You fought it? came an anonymous cry from the rear of the Svartnevelin group. We're stoned from afar, Seldig asked Seldig. That is the accepted method. Driz looked over at his the pile of boulders the deep gnomes had been hurling at the effigy, then considered his own slender frame. My arms could not lift such stones, he laughed. Then how, Seldig? You must tell us. Driz now had his story. He paused for a few moments, collecting his thoughts. He realized that his limited skills with his new language would not allow him to weave much of an intricate tale, so he decided to illustrate his words. He found two poles that the Sveth Nebling had been carrying, explained them as scimitars, then examined the effigy's construction to ensure that it would hold his weight. The young deep gnomes huddled around anxiously as Driz set up the situation, detailing his darkness spell, actually placing one just beyond the basilisk's head, and the positioning of Guenevar, his feline companion. The Sveth Nebling sat on their hands and leaned forward, gasping at every word. The effigy seemed to come alive in their minds, a lumbering monster with Driz, the stranger to their world, lurking in the shadows behind it. The drama played out, and the time for, came for Driz to enact his movements in the battle. He heard the Svefnebli gasp in unison as he sprang lightly under the basilisk's back, carefully picking his steps up toward the thing's head. Driz became caught up in their excitement, and this only heightened his memories. It all became so real. The deep gnomes moved in close, anticipating a dazzling display of swordsmanship from this remarkable drow who had come to them from the wilds of the Underdark. 
Then something terrible happened. One moment he was Driz the showman, entertaining his new friends with a tale of courage and weaponry. The next moment, as the drow lifted one of his pole props to strike at the phony monster, he was Driz no longer. The hunter stood atop the basilisk, just as he had the day back in the tunnels outside the moss-filled cave. Poles jabbed at the monster's eyes. Poles slammed viciously into the stone head. The swift nebuli backed away, some in fear, others in simple caution. The hunter pounded away. The stone chipped and cracked. The slab that served the creature's head broke away and fell, the dark elf tumbling behind. The hunter went down in a precise roll, came back to his feet, and charged back in, slamming away furiously with his poles. The wooden weapon snapped apart and Driz's hands bled, but he, the hunter, would not yield. Strong, deep gnome hands grabbed the drow by the arms, trying to calm him. The hunter spun on his newest adversaries. They were stronger than he, and two held him tightly, but a few deft twists of it had the swift nebuli off balance. The hunter kicked at their knees and dropped to his own, returning about as he fell and launching the two swift nebuli into headlong rolls. The hunter was up at once, broken scimitars at the ready as he, as a single foe moved in at him. Belwer showed no fear, held his arms defensively out wide. Drizzed, he called over and over. Drizzed to Warden! The hunter eyed the swift nebuli's hammer and pick. The sight of the mithril hands invoked soothing memories. Suddenly, he was drizzed again. Stunned and ashamed, he dropped the poles and eyed his scraped hands. Belwer caught the drow as he swooned, hoisted him up in his arms and carried him away to his back to his hammock. Troubled dreams invaded Driz's sleep. Memories of the Underdark and of that other darker self that he could not escape. How can I explain? he asked. Belwer when the Burl Warden found him sitting on the edge of the stone table later that night. How can I possibly offer an apology? None is needed, Belwer said to him. Drizzt looked at him incredulously. You do not understand, Drizzt began, wondering how he could possibly make the Burl Warden comprehend the depth of what had come over him. Many years you have lived in the Underdark, Belwer said, surviving where others could not. But have I survived? Drizzt wondered aloud. Belwer's hammer hand patted the drow's shoulder gently, and the burrow warden sat down on the table beside him. There they remained throughout the night. Drizzt said no more, and Belwer didn't press him. The burrow warden knew his role that night. A silent support. Neither knew how many hours had passed when Seldig's voice came in from beyond the door. Come, Drizzt warden, the young deep elf Deep gnome cold. Come and tell us more tales of the Underdark. Driz looked at Belwer curiously, wondering if the request was part of some devious trick or ironic joke. Belwer smiled and dispelled that notion. Maga Kamara, Dark Elf, the deep gnome chuckled. They'll not let you hide. <laughs> Send them away, Driz insisted. So willing are you to surrender, Belwer retorted, a distinct edge to his normally round-toned voice. You who would have survived the trials of the wilds? Too dangerous, Driz explained desperately, searching for the word. I I cannot control, cannot be rid of... Go with them, Dark Elf, Belwer said. They will be more cautious this time. This beast, 
follows me, Triz tried to explain. Perhaps for a while, the borough warden replied casually. Magna Kamara, Driz Dorden. Five, ten days is not such a long time, not measured against the trials you have endured over the last ten years. Your freedom will be gained from this beast. Driz's lavender eyes found only sincerity in Pelwardis and Cup's dark gray orbs. But only if you'd seek it, the borough warden finished. Come out, Tristan, Selden called again from beyond the stone door. This time and every time in the days to come, Drizzt, and only Drizzt, answered the call. The Myconid king watched the dark elf prowl across the cavern's moss-covered lower level. It was not the same drow that had left, the fungoid knew, but Drizzt, an ally, had been the king's only previous contact with the dark elves. Oblivious to its peril, the eleven-foot giant crept down to intercept the stranger. The spirit wraith of Zachnathian did not even attempt to flee or hide as the animated mushroom man closed in. Zachnathian's swords were comfortably set in his hands. The Myconid king puffed a cloud of spores, seeking telepathic conversation with the newcomer. But undead monsters existed on two distinct planes, and their minds were impervious to such attempts. Zachnathian's material body faced the Myconid, but the spirit wraith's mind was far distant. Linked to his corporeal form by Matron Malice's will, the spirit wraith closed over the last few feet of, to his adversary. The Myconid puffed a second cloud, this one of spores designed to pacify an opponent, and this cloud was equally futile. The spirit wraith came on steadily, and the giant raised his powerful arms to strike it down. Zachnafian blocked the swings with quick cuts of his razor-edged swords, severing the Myconid's hands. Too fast to follow, the spirit wraith's weapon slashed at the king's mushroom-like torso and dug deep wounds that drove the fungoid backward and to the ground. From the top level, dozens of the older and stronger Myconids lumbered down to rescue their injured king. The spirit wraith saw this, saw their approach, but did not know fear. Zagnathian finished his business with the giant, then turned calmly to meet the assault. Fungus men came on, blasting their various spores. Zagnafian ignored the clouds, none of which could possibly affect him, and concentrated fully on the clubbing arms. Myconids came charging in all around him, and they died all around him. They had tended their grove for centuries untold, living in peace, going about their own way. But when the spirit wraith returned from the crawled tunnel that led to the now-abandoned small cave that once had served a drizzed home, Zack's fury would tolerate no semblance of peace. Zachnafian rushed up against the wall of the mushroom grove, hacking at everything in his path. Giant mushrooms tumbled like cut trees. Below the small Roth herd, nervous by nature, broke into a frenzied stampede and rushed out into the tunnels of the open underdark. The few remaining fungus men, having witnessed the power of this dark elf, scrambled out to get out of his thrashing way. But Myconids were not fast-moving creatures, and Zachnafian relentlessly chased them down. Their reign in the moss-covered cave, in the mushroom grove they attended for so very long, came to a sudden and final end. Chapter 9 Whispers in the Tunnels The Svirpnevlin patrol inched its way around the bends of the broken and twisting tunnel. Warhammers and pickaxes held at the ready. The deep gnomes were not far from Blingdenstone, less than a day out. But they had gone into the practice battle formations usually reserved for the deep underdark. 
the tunnel reeked of death. The lead deep gnome, knowing that the carnage lay just beyond, gingerly peeked over a shoulder. A boulder. Goblins, his senses cried out to his companions, a clear voice in the racial empathy of the Svrf Nebli. When the dangers of the Underdark closed in on the deep gnomes, they rarely spoke aloud, reverting to a communal empathic bond they could convey basic thoughts. But others from Nebly clutched their weapons and began deciphering a battle plan from the excited jumble of their mental communications. The leader, still the only one who had peered over the boulder, halted them with an overriding notion. Dead goblins! The others followed him around the boulder to the grisly scene. A score of goblins lay about, hacked and torn. Drow? One of the Svartnebelin party whispered. After seeing the precision of the wounds in the obvious case with which the blades had cut through the unfortunate creature's hides, among the underdark races only the drow wielded such slender and wicked-edged blades. Too close, another deep moan responded empathically, punching the speaker on the shoulder. These have been dead for a ten day or more, another said aloud, refuting his companion's caution. The dark elves would not lie in wait in the area. It's not their way. Nor is it the way to slaughter bands of goblins, the one who had insisted on the silent communication replied. Not when there are prisoners to be taken. They would make prisoners only if they meant to return directly to Menzel Branson, remarked the first. He turned to the leader. Borough Warden Krieger, at once we must go back to Blingenstone and report this carnage. A report is it would a thin report it would be, Krieger replied. Dead replied. Dead goblins in the tunnels? It's not such an uncommon sight. This is not the first sign of drow activity in the region, the other remarked. The Burrow Warden would deny neither the truth of his companion's words nor the wisdom of the suggestion. Two other patrols had returned to Blingdenstone recently, the tales of dead monsters, most probably slain by the drow elves, lying in the corridors of the Underdark. And look, the other deep gnome continued, bending low to scoop a pouch off the one of the goblins. He opened it to reveal a handful of gold and silver coins. What dark elf would be so impatient as to leave such booty behind? Can we be sure that this was the doings of the drow? Krieger asked, though he himself did not doubt the fact. Perhaps some other creatures had come to our realm, or possibly some lesser foe. Goblin of Orc has found drow weapons. Drow, the thoughts of several of the others agreed immediately. The cuts were swift and precise, said one, and I see nothing to indicate any wounds beyond the, those suffered by the goblins. Who else but dark elves are so efficient in their killing? Barrow Warden Krieger walked off alone a bit further down the passage, searching the stone for some clue to this mystery. Deep gnomes possessed an affinity to the rock beyond that of most creatures, but this passage's stone walls told the Burrow Warden nothing. The goblins had been killed by weapons, not the clawed hands of monsters, yet they had, hadn't been looted. All of the kills were confined to a small area, showing that the unfortunate goblins hadn't even found the time to flee. 
that 20 goblins were cut down so quickly implicated a drow patrol of some size, and even if there had been only a handful of the dark elves, one of them at least would have pillaged the bodies. Where shall we go, Burden Warden? One of the deep gnomes asked at Krieger's back. Onward to scout our reported mineral cache or back to Blingdenstone to report this? Krieger was a wily old Fifneblin who thought that he knew every trick of the Dunderdark. He wasn't fond of mysteries, but this scene had him scratching his bald head without a clue. Back, he relayed to the others, reverting to the silent empathic method. He found no arguments among his kin. Deep gnomes always took great care to avoid drow elves whenever possible. The patrol promptly shifted into a tight defensive formation and began its trek back home. Levitating off to the side in the shadows of the high-ceiling stalactites, the spirit wraith of Zagnaf and Dorden watched the progress and marked well their path. King Schnicktick leaned forward in his stone throne and considered the Burr Warden's words carefully. Schnicktick's counselors were around him, equally curious and nervous, for his, this report only confirmed the two previous tales of potential drow activity in the eastern tunnels. Why would Menzelbaranzen be edging in on our borders? One of the counselors asked when Krieger had finished. Our agents have made no mention of any intent of war. Surely we would have some indications of Menzelbaranzen's ruling council planned something dramatic? We would. King Schnicktick agreed, to silence the nervous chatter that sprang up in the wake of the Council's grim words. To all of you, I offer the reminder that we do not know if the perpetrators of these reported kills were drow elves at all. Your pardon, my king, Krieger began tentatively. Yes, Burrow Warden? Schnicktick replied immediately, slowly waving one stubby hand before the craggy face to prevent any protests. You are quite certain of your observations, and well enough to, do I know you to trust your judgments. Until this drow patrol has been seen, however, no assumptions will be I make. Then we may agree only that something dangerous has invaded our eastern region, another of those counselors put in. Yes, answered the Sverf Neblin king. We must set about this discovering the truth of the matter. Eastern tunnels are therefore sealed from further mining expeditions. Snicktick again waved his hands to calm the ensuing groans. I know that several promising veins of ore have been reported. We will get to them as soon as we may. But for the present, the east, northeast, and southeast regions are hereby declared war patrol exclusive. The patrols will be doubled both in the number of groups and in the size of each, and their range will be extended in to encompass all the region within a three-day march of Blingdenstone. Quickly must this mystery be resolved. What of our agents in the Drow City? asked a counselor. Should we make contact? Schnicktick held his palms out. Be at ease, he explained. We will keep our ears open, but let us not inform our enemies that we suspect their movements. The Svartnevlin king did not have to express his concerns that their agents within Menzel Baranzen would not be entirely re relied upon. 
The informants might readily accept Smith Neblin gemstones in exchange for minor information, but if the powers of Menzel Baranza were planning something drastic in Blindenstone's direction, agents would likely, quite likely, work double deals against the deep gnomes. If we hear any unusual reports from Menzel Baranzin, the king continued, or if we discover that the intruders are indeed drow elves, then we will increase our network's actions. Until then, let the patrols learn what they may. The king dismissed his council then, preferring to remain alone in his throne room to consider the grim news. Earlier that same ten day, Schnicktick had heard of Drizzt's savage attack on the Basilisk effigy. Lately, it seemed, King Schnicktick of Blingenstone had heard too much of Dark Elves' exploits. The swift Nevlin scouting patrols moved farther out into the eastern tunnels. Even these groups that found nothing came back to Blingenstone full of suspicions, for they had sensed a stillness in the underdark beyond the quiet norm. Not a single swift Nebulon had been injured so far, but none seemed anxious to travel out on the patrols. There was something evil in their tunnels. They knew instinctively, something that killed without question and without mercy. One patrol found the moss-covered cavern that once had served as Driz's sanctuary. King Schnicktick was saddened when he heard that the peaceable myconids and their treasured mushroom grove were destroyed. Yet for all the endless hours the Swift Nebly spent wandering the tunnels, not an enemy did they spot. They continued with their assumption that dark elves, so secretive and brutal, were involved. And now we have a drow living in our city, a deep gnome council reminded the king during one of their daily sessions. Has he caused any trouble? Schnicktick asked. Minor, replied the counselor, and Belwar disengulped the most honored Burr Warden, speaks for him still, and keeps him in his house as guest, not prisoner. Burr Warden disengulped will accept no guards around the drow. The drow have the drow watched, the king said after a moment of consideration, but from a distance. If he is a friend, as Master Disengulp most obviously believes, then he should not suffer our intrusions. And what are the patrols? asked another counselor, this one a representative from the entrance cavern that housed the city guard. My soldiers grow weary. They have seen nothing beyond a few signs of battle, have heard nothing but the scrape of their own tired feet. We must be alert, King Schnicktick reminded him. If the dark elves are massing, they are not, the counselor replied firmly. We have found no camp nor any trace of camp. This panel patrol from Menzel Baranzen, if it is a patrol, attacks and then retreats to some sanctuary we cannot locate, possibly magically inspired. And if the Dark Elves truly meant to attack Blendenstone, offered another, would they leave so many signs of their activity? The first slaughter, the goblins, found by Burrow Warden Krager's expedition, occurred nearly a ten day ago, and the tragedy of the Myconids was some time before that. I have heard, never heard of dark elves wandering about an enemy city and leaving signs such as slaughtered goblins for days before they execute their full attack. The king had been thinking along the same lines for some time. When he awoke each day and found Blingdon's stone intact, 
the threat of a war with Menzel Brandon seemed more distant. But though Schnicktick took comfort in the similar reasoning of his counselor, he could not ignore the gruesome scenes his soldiers had been finding in the eastern tunnels. Something, probably drow, was down there, too close for his liking. Let us assume that Menzel Brandon does not plan war against us at this time, Schnicktick offered. Then why are drow elves so close to our doorway? Why would drow elves haunt the eastern tunnels of Blingdenstone so far from home? Expansion, replied one counselor. Renegade raiders, questioned another. Neither possibility seemed very likely. Then a third counselor chirped in a suggestion, so simple that it caught the others off guard. They are looking for something. The king of the swift nebly dropped his dimpled chin heavily into his hands. Thinking he had just heard a possible solution to the puzzle and feeling foolish that he had not thought of it before. But what? asked one of the counselors, obviously feeling the same. Dark elves rarely mine the stone. They do not do it very well when they try, I must add, and they would not have to go so far from Menzel Baranzan to find precious minerals. What so near Blingenstone might the dark elves be looking for? Something they have lost, replied the king. Immediately his thoughts went to the drow that had come to live among his people. It all seemed too much of a coincidence to be ignored, or or someone, Schnicktick added, and the others did not miss his point. Perhaps we should invite our drow guest to sit with us in this council. No, the king replied. But... Perhaps our distant surveillance of this drizzt is not enough. Get orders to Bellward Disengulp that the drow is to be monitored every minute. And Furble, he said to the counselor nearest him, since we have reasonably concluded that no war is imminent with the Dark Elves, set the spy network into motion. Get me information from Menzel Baranzan and quickly. I do not like the prospect of Dark Elves. Wandering about my front door. It does so diminish the neighborhood. Councillor Ferbal, the chief of covert security of Blindenstone, nodded in agreement. Though he wasn't pleased by the request, information from Menzel Branson was not cheaply gained, and it as often turned out to be a calculated deception as the truth. Ferbal did not like dealing with anyone or anything that could outsmart him and he numbered Dark Elves as first on that ill-favored list. The Spirit Wraith watched as yet another Swift Nebulon patrol made its way down the twisting tunnel. The tactical wisdom of the being that once had been the finest weapon master in all of Menzel Branson had kept the undead monster and his anxious sword arm in check for the last few days. Zachnafian did not truly understand the significance of the increasing number of deep gnomes patrols, but he sensed that his mission would be put into jeopardy if he struck out against one of them. At the very least, his attack against so organized a foe would send alarms ringing through the corridors, alarms that the elusive Drizzt surely would hear. Similarly, the spirit wraith had sublimated his vicious urges against other living things and had left the swift Nevlin patrols nothing to find in the last few days, purposefully avoiding conflicts with the many denizens of this region. Matron Malice Dorden's evil will 
will followed Zachnafian's every move, pounding relentlessly at his thoughts, urging on him with a great vengeance. Any killing that Zachnafian did sated that insidious will temporarily, but the undead thing's tactical wisdom overruled the savage summons. The slight flicker that was Zagnathian's remaining reasoning knew that he would only find his return to the peace of death when Drizzt Warden joined him in his eternal sleep. The spirit wraith kept his swords in their sheaths as he wandered the deep gnomes passed by. Then, as still another group of wearies who have never made its way back to the west, another flicker of cognition stirred within the spirit wraith. If these deep gnomes were so prominent in this region, it seemed likely that Drizdorn would have encountered them. This time, Zachnafian did not let the deep gnomes wander out beyond his sight. He floated down from the concealment of the stalactite-strewn ceiling and fell into pace behind the patrol. The name of Blingenstone bobbed at the edge of his conscious grasp, a memory of his past life. Blingenstone. The spirit wraith tried to speak aloud. The first word Matron Malice's undead monster had tried to utter, but the name came out as no more than an undecipherable snarl. Chapter 10. Balwar's Guilt Driz went out with Seldig and his new friends many times during the passing days. The young deep gnomes on advice from Belwar kept their time with the drow elf in calm and unobtrusive games. No more did they press Driz for reenactments of exciting battles that he had fought in the wilds. For the first few times Driz went out, Belwar watched him from the door. The bro warden did trust Driz, but he also understood the trials that the drow had endured. A life of savagery and brutality such as the one Driz had known could not so easily be dismissed, though soon it became apparent to Belwar and to all the others who observed Driz that the, the drow had settled into a comfortable rhythm with the young deep gnomes and posed little threat to any of the Svefnevli of Blingenstone. Even King Schnicktick, worried of the events beyond the city's borders, came to agree that Driz could be trusted. You have a visitor, Belwar said to Driz one morning. Driz followed the Burr Warden's movements to the stone door, thinking Seldig had come to call on him early this day. When Belwar opened the door, though, Driz nearly toppled over in surprise, for it was no Swerf Nevlin that bounded into the stone structure. Rather, it was a huge and black feline form. Gwenevar! Driz cried out, dropping into a low crouch to catch the rushing panther. Gwenevar bowled him over, playfully swatting him with a great paw. When at last Driz managed to get out from under the panther and into a sitting position, Belwar walked over to him and handed him the onyx figurine. Surely the counselor charged with examining the panther was sorry to part with it, the bro warden said. But Guinevar is your friend, first and most. Driz could not find the words to reply. Even before the panther's return, the deep gnomes of Blingingstone had treated him better than he deserved, or so he believed. For now that the swift nebula to return so powerful a magic item, to show him such absolute trust, touched him deeply. At your leisure you may return to the house center, the building in which you were detained when first you came to us, Belwer went on, and retrieve your weapons and armor. Trist was a bit tentative at the notion, 
remembering the incident at the mock above the basilisk, what damage might he have wrought that day if he had been armed, not with poles, but with fine drow scimitars? We will keep them here and keep them safe, Belver said, understanding his friend's sudden distress. If you need them, you will have them. I am in your debt, Driz replied, and the debt of all Blindenstone. We do not consider friendship a debt, the Burrow Warden replied with a wink. He left Driz and Guinevar then and went back into the cave room of his house, allowing the two dear friends a private reunion. Seldig and the other young deep gnomes were in for quite a treat the day when Driz came out to join them with Guinevar by his side. Seeing the cat at play with his swift Nebly, Driz could not help but remember that tragic day a decade before when Massage had used Guinevar to hunt down the last of Belwar's fleeing miners. Apparently, Guinevar dismissed that awful memory altogether, for the panther and the young deep gnomes frolicked together for the entire day. Driz wished only that he could so readily dismiss the errors of his past. Most honored Borough Warden, came a call of a couple of days later. While Belwar and Drizzt were enjoying their morning meal, Belwar paused and sat perfectly still, and Drizzt did not miss the unexpected cloud of pain that crossed his host's broad features. Drizzt had come to know the Swift Neblin so very well, and when Belwar's long, hawk-like nose turned up in a certain way, it inevitably signaled the Borough Warden's distress. The king has reopened the eastern tunnels, the voice continued. There are rumors of a thick vein of ore only a day's march. It would do honor to my expedition if Belwar doesn't go but would find his way to accompany us. A hopeful smile widened on Driz's face. Not for any thoughts he had of venturing out, but because he had noticed that Belwar seemed a bit too reclusive in the otherwise open Swift Neblin community. Borough Warden Brickers, Belwar explained to Driz grimly, not sharing the drow's budding enthusiasm in the least. One of those who comes to my door before every expedition, bidding me to join in the journey. And you never go, Driz reasoned. Belwar shrugged. A courtesy call, nothing more, he said, his nose twitching with his wide teeth grating together. You are not worthy to march beside them, Driz added, his tone dripping with sarcasm. At last, he believed that he had found the source of his friend's frustration. Again, Belwar shrugged. Driz scowled at him. I have only seen you work with your mithril hands, he said. You would be no detriment to any party. Indeed, far more. Do you so quickly consider yourself crippled when those about you do not? Belwar slammed his hammer hand down on the table, sending a fair-sized crack running through the stone. I could cut rock faster than a lot of them, Burrow Warden growled fiercely. And if monsters descended upon us, he waved his pickaxe hand in a menacing way, and Driz did not doubt that the barrel-chested deep gnome could put the instrument to good use. Enjoy the day, most honored Burrow Warden, came a final cry from the outside door. As ever, we shall respect your decision, but as ever, we shall lament your absence. Driz stared curiously at Driz. Why, then, he asked at length, if you are as competent as all, yourself included, agree, why do you remain behind? I know the loves of Nebly have for the such expeditions, yet you are not interested. Nor do you ever speak of your own adventures outside Blendingstone. Is it my presence that holds you at home? Are you bound to watch over me? 
No, Valor replied, his booming voice, voice echoing back several times in Driz's keen ears. You have been granted the return of your weapons, Dark Elf. Do not doubt our trust. But, Driz began, but he stopped short, suddenly realizing the truth of the Deep Gnome's reluctance. The fight, he said softly, almost apologetically. That evil day more than a month, decade ago. Balwar's nose verily rolled up over itself, and he briskly turned away. You blame yourself for the loss of your kin, Driz continued, gaining volume as he gained confidence in his reasoning. Still, the drow could hardly believe his words as he spoke them. But when Balwar turned back on him, the burrow warden's eyes rimmed with wetness, and Driz knew that the words had struck home. Driz ran a hand through his thick white mane, not really knowing how to respond to Belwar's dilemma. Driz personally had led the drow party against the Swift Nebley Mining Group, and he knew that no blame for the disaster could rightly be placed on any of the deep gnomes. Yet how could Driz possibly explain that to Belwar? I remember that fated day, Driz began tentatively. Vividly, I remember it. As if that evil moment would be frozen in my thoughts. Never to recede. No more than in mine, the bro warden whispered. Driz nodded his accord. Equally, though, he said, for I find myself caught within the very same web of guilt that entraps you. Belwar looked at him, curiously, not really understanding. It was I who led the drow patrol, Driz explained. I found your troop errantly believing you to be the marauders intending to descend upon Brenza Branson. If not you, then another, Belwar replied. But none could have led them as well as I, Triss said. Out there, he glanced at the door, in the wilds I was at home. That was my domain. Belwar was listening to his every word now, just as Driz had hoped. And it was I who defeated the Earth Elemental, Driz continued, speaking matter-of-factly, not cockily. Had it not been for my presence, the battle would have proved equal. Many Swift Neblin would have survived to return to Blindenstone. Belwar could not hide his smile. There was a measure of truth in Driz's words, for Driz had indeed been a major factor in the drow attack success. But Belwar found Driz's attempt to dispel his guilt a bit of a stretch of the truth. I do not understand how you came, can blame yourself, Driz said, now smiling and hoping that his levity would bring some measure of comfort to his friend. With Driz to Orden at the lead of the drow party, you never had a chance. Maga Kamara, is it, a, it is a painful subject to jest of, Belwar replied, though he chuckled in spite of himself as he spoke the words. Agreed, said Driz, his tone suddenly serious. But dismissing the tragedy in a jest is no more ridiculous than living mired in guilt for a blameless incident. No, not blameless, Driz quickly corrected himself. The blame lies on the shoulders of Manza Baranza and his inhabitants. It is the way of the drow that calls the tragedy. It is the wicked existence that they live every day that doomed your expedition's peaceable miners. Charged with the responsibility of his group as a borough warden, Bell retorted. Charge of the responsibility of his group as a borough warden, Bower retorted. Only a borough warden may call an expedition. 
He must then accept the responsibility of his decision. You chose to lead the deep dome so close to Menzel Baranzen, Driz asked. I did. Of your own volition, Triz pressed. He believed that he understood the ways of the Deep Gnomes well enough to know that most, if not all, of their important decisions were democratically resolved. Without the word of Belwood Disengulp, the mining party would never have come into that region. We knew of the find, Belwood explained. A rich cache of ore. It was decided in council that we should risk the nearness to the men's of Branzen. I led the appointed party. If not you, then another, Triz said pointedly, mimicking Belwar's earlier words. A burden warden must accept the response, Belwar began, his gaze drifting away from Driz. They do not blame you, Driz said, following Belwar's empty stare to the blank stone door. They honor you and care for you. They pity me, Belwar snarled. Do you need their pity, Driz cried back. Are you less than they, a helpless cripple? Never was I. Then go out with them, Triz yelled at him. If they see truly pitying you, I do not believe that at all. But if your assumptions prove true, if your people do pity their most honored borough warden, then show them the truth of Belwood Disengulp. If your companions mantle upon them you neither pity nor blame, then do not place either burden upon your own shoulders. Belwood stared at his friend for a long moment. But he did not reply. All the miners who accompanied you knew the risk of venturing so close to Menzel Baranzen, Driz reminded him. A smile widened on Driz's face. None of them, yourself included, knew that Driz Dorden would lead your drow opponents against you. If you had, you certainly would have stayed at home. Maga Kamara, Belwer mumbled. He shook his head in disbelief, both at Driz's joking attitude and at the fact that, for the first time in over a decade, he did feel better about those tragic memories. He rose up from the stone table, flashing a grin at Driz, and headed for the inner room of his house. "'Where are you going?' Driz asked. "'To rest,' replied the Burl Warden. "'The events of this day have already wearied me. "'The mining expedition will depart without you.' Belwar turned back and cast an incredulous stare at Drizzt. Did the drow really expect that Belwar would so easily refute years of guilt and just go bounding off the miners? I had thought Belwar Disengulp possessed more courage, Drizzt said to him. The scowl that crossed the Burl Warden's face was genuine, and Drizzt knew that he had found a weakness in Belwar's army of self-pity. Boldly do you speak, Belwar growled through a grimace. Boldly to a coward, Drizzt replied. The mithril handed Swift Nebuly stalked in, his breathing coming to in great heaves of his densely muscled chest. If you do not like the title, then cast it away, Driz growled in his face. Go with the miners. Show them the truth of Belwood Disengulp and learn it for yourself. Belwood banged his mithril hands together. Run out then and get your weapons, he commanded. Driz hesitated. Had he just been challenged? Had he gone too far in his attempt to shake the Burl Warden loose of his guilty bonds? Get your weapons, Drizzt Warden, Belwar growled again. For if I am to go with the miners, then so are you. Elated, Drizzt clasped the deep gnome's head between his long slender hands and banged his forehead softly into Belwar's, the two exchanging stares of deep admiration and affection. In an instant, Drizzt rushed away, scrambling to the house central, 
to retrieve his suit of finely meshed chainmail, his piwafui, and his scimitars. Bellwood just banged a hand against his head in disbelief, nearly knocking himself from his feet, and watched his wild dash out the front door. It would prove an interesting trip. Burrow Warden Brickers accepted Belwer and Drizzed readily, though he gave Belwer a curious look behind Drizzed's back, inquiring as to the drow's respectability. Even the doubting Burrow Warden could not deny the value of a dark elf ally out in the wilds of the Underdark, particularly if the whispers of drow activity in the eastern tunnels proved to be true. But the, troll, but the patrol saw no activity or carnage as they proceeded to the region named by the scouts. The rumors of a thick vein of ore were not exaggerated in the least, and the twenty-five miners of the expedition went to work with an eagerness unlike any the drow had ever witnessed. Driz was especially pleased for Belwar, for the burrow warden's hammer and pickaxe hands chopped away at the stone with a precision and power that outdid any of the others. It didn't take long for Belwar to realize that he was not being pitied by his comrades in any way. He was a member of the expedition, an honored member and no detriment who filled the wagons with more ore than any of his companions. Through the days they spent in the twisting tunnels, Drizzt and Guenevar, when the cat was available, kept a watchful guard around the camp. After the first day of mining, Burrow Warden Brickers assigned a third companion guard for the drow and panther, and Drizzt suspected correctly that his new swift Nevelin companion had been appointed as much to watch him as to look for dangers from beyond. As the time passed, though, and the Swerfneblin trope became more accustomed to their ebon-skinned companion, Driz was left to roam about as he chose. It was an uneventful and profitable trip, just the way that Swerfnebli liked it, and soon, having encountered not a single monster, the wagons were filled with precious minerals. Clapping each other on the backs, Belwer had been careful not to pat too hard, they gathered up their equipment, formed their pull carts into a line, and set off for home, a journey that would take them two days bearing the heavy wagons. After only a few days of travel, one of the scouts ahead of the cavern caravan returned, his face grim. "'What is it?' Burrow Warden Brickers prompted, suspecting that their good fortune had ended. "'Goblin tribe,' the swift Nevelin scout replied. Two score at the least. They have put up a small chamber ahead.' to the west and up a sloping passage. Burrow Warden Brickers banged a fist into a wagon. He did not doubt that his miners could handle the goblin band, but he wanted no trouble. Yet with the heavy wagons rumbling along noisily, avoiding the goblins could be no easy feat. Pass the word that we sit quiet, he decided at length. If a fight there will be, let the goblins come to us. What is the trouble, Drizzt? asked Belwer as he came in at the back of the caravan. He had kept the rear guard since the troop had broken camp. Band of goblins, Belwer replied. Brickers says we stay low and hope they pass us by. And if they do not, Trist asked. Belwer tapped his hands together. They're only goblins, he muttered grimly. But I and all my kin wish the path had stayed clear. It pleased Driz that his new companions were not so anxious for battle, even against an enemy they knew they could easily defeat. If Driz had been traveling beside a drow party, the whole of the Goblin tribe probably would be dead or captured already. Come with me, Driz said to Belwer. I need you to help Burrow Warden Brickers understand me. I have a plan, but I fear that my limited command of your language will not allow me to explain its subtleties. Belwer looked Driz with his 
hooked Driz with his pickaxe hand, spinning the slender drow about more roughly than he had intended. No conflicts do we desire, he explained. Better that the goblins go their own way. I wish for no fight, Driz assured him with a wink. Satisfied, the deep gnome fell into his step behind. Drizzed. Bricker smiled widely as Belwer translated Driz's plan. The expressions of the goblins' faces will be well worth seeing, Brickers laughed at Drizzt. I should like to accompany you myself. Better left for me, Belwer said. Both the goblin and drow languages are known to me, and you have responsibilities back here in case things do not go as we hope. The goblin tongue is known to me as well, Brickers replied, and I can understand our dark elf companion well enough. As for my duties with the caravan, they are not as great as you believe. For another burrow warden accompanies us this day. One who has not seen the wilds of the Underdog for many years, Bower reminded him. Ah, but he was the finest of his trade, retorted Brickers. The caravan is under your command, burrow warden Bower. I choose to go and meet with the goblins beside the drow. Driz had understood enough of the words to fathom Bricker's general course of action. Before Bellwer could argue, Driz put a hand on his shoulder and nodded. If the goblins are not fooled, and we need you, come in fast and hard, he said. Then Brickers removed his gear and weapons, and Driz led him away. Bellwer turned to the others cautiously, not knowing how they would feel about this decision. His first glance at the caravan's miners told him that they stood firmly behind him, every one waiting and willing to carry out his commands. Burl Warden Brickers was not the least disappointed with the expressions on the goblins to the entwisted faces when he and Drizzt walked into their midst. One goblin let out a shriek and lifted a spear to throw, but Drizzt, using his innate magical abilities, dropped the globe of darkness over its head, blinding it fully. A spear came out anyway, and Drizzt snapped out a scimitar and sliced it from the air as it flew by. Brickers, his hands bound, for he was emulating a prisoner in this farce, dropped his jaw open at the speed and ease with which the drow took down the flying spear. The swift Neblin then looked to the band of goblins and saw that they were similarly impressed. One more step and they are dead, Drizzt promised in the goblin tongue, a guttural language of grunts and whimpers. Brickers came to understand a moment later when he heard a wild shuffle of boots and a whimper from behind, the deep gnome turned to see two goblins, limbed by the dancing purplish flames of the drow's fairy fire, scrambling away as fast as their floppy feet could carry them. Again the swift Nevelyn looked at Drizzt in amazement. How had Drizzt even known that the sneaky goblins were back there? Brickers, of course, could not know of the hunter that other self of Drizzt oars and that gave this drow a distinct edge in encounters such as this. Nor could the borough warden know that at that moment Drizzt was engaged in yet another struggle to control his dangerous alter ego. Drizzt looked at the scimitar in his hand and back at the crowd of goblins. At least three dozen of them stood ready, yet the hunter beckoned Drizzt to attack, to bite hard into the cowardly monsters and send them fleeing down every passageway leading out of the room. One look at his bound swift Nevelyn companion, though, reminded Drizzt of his plan in coming here and allowed him to put the hunter to rest. Who is the leader? he asked in guttural goblin. The goblin chieftain was not so anxious to single itself out to a drow elf, but dozens of its subordinates, showing typical goblin courage and loyalty, spun on their heels and poked their stubby fingers in his direction. With no other choice, the goblin chieftain puffed out his chest. 
straightened its bony shoulders and strode forward to face the drow. Brock! The chieftain named itself, thumping a fist into his chest. Why are you here? Triss sneered as he said it. Brock simply did not know how to answer such a question. Never before had the goblin thought to ask permission for its tribe's movements. This region belongs to the drow, Triss growled. You do not belong here. Drow city, many walks, Brick. Brock complained, pointing over Driz's head. The wrong way to Manzan and Driz noted, but he let the air pass. This fifth Neblin land. For now, replied Driz, prodding Brickers with the butt of a scimitar, but my people have decided to claim the region as their own. A small flame flickered in Driz's lavender eyes, and a devious smile spread across his face. Will Bruck and the Goblin tribe oppose us? Bruck held his long-figured hands out helplessly. Be gone, Driz demanded. We have no need of slaves now. Nor do we wish the revealing sound of battle echoing down the tunnels. Name yourself as Lucky Bruck. Your tribe will flee and live. This time... Bruck turned to the others, looking for some assistance. Only one drow elf had come against them, while more than three dozen goblins stood ready with their weapons. The odds were promising, if not overwhelming. Be gone, Triz commanded, pointing his scimitars at a side passage. Run until your feet grow too weary to carry you. The goblin chieftain defiantly hooked his fingers into the piece of rope holding up its loincloth. A cacophonous banging sounded all around the small chamber then, showing the temple a purposeful drumming on the stone. Bruck and the other goblins looked nervously, and Driz did not miss the opportunity. You dare defy us? The Driz, the drow cried, causing Bruck to be edged by the purple growing flame, glowing flames. Then let stupid Bruck be the first to die! Before Driz even finished the sentence, the goblin chieftain was gone running all speed down the passage Drizzt had indicated. Justifying the flight as loyalty to their chieftain, the whole lot of the goblin tried said off in quick pursuit. The swiftest even passed Bruck by. A few moments later, Belwar and the other swift Nevelyn miners appeared in, at every passage. Thought you might need some support, the Mithril Hand Burr Warden explained, tapping his hammer on a stone. Perfect was your timing and your judgment, most honored Burr Warden, Bricker said to his peer when he managed to stop laughing. Perfect as we have come to expect from Belwar Disengope. A short while later, the swift Neblin caravan started on its way. Again, the whole troop, excited and elated by the events of the last few days, the deep gnomes thought themselves very clever in the way that they had avoided trouble. The gaiety turned into a full-fledged party when they arrived in Blingdonstone, and Swift Nebley, though usually a serious work-minded people, threw parties as well as any race in all the realms. Drizzt Orden, for all of his physical differences with the Swift Nebley, felt more at home and at ease than he had ever felt all the four decades of his life. And never again did Belwar Disengulp flinch when a fellow Swift Nebley addressed him as Most Honored Burrow Warden. The spirit wraith was confused. Just as Eknafian had begun to believe that his prey was within the Svendeblin city, the magical spells that Malice had placed upon him sensed Driz's presence in the tunnels. Luckily for Driz and his Svendeblin miners, the spirit wraith had been far away when he caught the scent. Eknafian worked his way back through the tunnels, 
dodging deep numb patrols. Every potential encounter he avoided proved a struggle for Zaknafi and for matron malice. Back on her throne, Menzel Baranzan grew increasingly impatient and agitated. Malice wanted the taste of blood, but Zaknafian kept to his purpose, closing in on Drizzt. But then, suddenly, the scent was gone. Bruck groaned aloud when another solitary dark elf wandered into his encampment the next day. No spears were hoisted, and no goblins even attempted to sneak up behind this one. We went as we were ordered, Breck complained, moving to the front of the group before he was called upon. The goblin chieftain knew now that his underlings would point him out anyway. If the spirit wraith even understood the goblin's words, he did not show it in any way. Zaknafian kept walking straight at the goblin chieftain, his swords in his hands. But we, Bruck began, but the rest of his words came out as gurgles of blood. Zaknafian tore his sword out of the goblin's throat and rushed at the rest of the group. Goblins scattered in all directions. A few, trapped between the craze, drowned the stone wall, raised crude spears in defense. The spirit wraith waded through them, hacking away weapons and limbs with every slice. One goblin poked through the spinning swords, the tip of his spear burying deep into Zaknafian's hip. The undead monster didn't even flinch. Zack turned on the goblin and struck at it with a series of lightning-fast, perfectly aimed blows that took its head and both of its arms from its body. In the end, fifteen goblins lay dead in the chamber, and the tribe was scattered and still running down every passage in the region. The spirit wraith, covered in the blood of his enemies, exited the chamber through the passage, opposite from the one in which he had entered, continuing his frustrated search for the elusive Drizdorden back in Menzel Brandon, in the anteroom of the, to the chapel of the house Dorden, Matron Malice rested, thoroughly exhausted and momentarily sated. She had felt every kill as Agnafian made it, had felt a burst of ecstasy every time her spirit wraith's sword had plunged into another victim. Malice pushed away her frustrations and her impatience, her confidence renewed by the pleasures of Agnafian's cruel slaughter. How great Malice's ecstasy would be when the spirit wraith at last encountered her traitorous son. And that is the end of chapter 10. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for listening in. This has been a longer episode, and I apologize for that. But I know you all like to hear the story. So I continued through again my name is chadwick you can catch me on twitter at crow k-r-o-w-e underscore h-v-v-h you can catch me on instagram at chadwick one two two four and then also on facebook at chadwick daigle d apostrophe a-i-g-l-e and i wish to thank you all again for listening in to my dramatic reading of R.A. Salvatore's The Legend of Drizzt, Book Two, Exile. Thank you. <laughs>